So you are, you know, making a brief statement of ownership. You are acknowledging the harm that you caused. And then you are apologizing. It's even a bonus if you want to tell the person what you're going to do next time. Hello, hello. Welcome to 30 and a Bit. My name is Pete, and each episode I try to solve one of the questions you run into after hitting the big 3-0 together with an expert. It's December, and that means the holiday series. Three episodes this month to make your busy, busy month with a lot of friends and family a little bit easier and a little bit smoother. And today's question is, how should I fight and make up? Today's amazing guest is Emily Sanders. Emily received her Master's of Science in Clinical Psychology. Emily has been practicing as a psychologist for 13 years and is 38 years old herself. Emily is married, has three children, one boy and two girls, and lives in Newport Beach, California. Welcome, Emily. Thank you so much for having me. It's nice to be here. I'm so excited you're here. My first question that I always ask every expert is, how are your 30s going so far? My 30s. My 30s have been quite the decade. Honestly, I've really enjoyed my 30s a lot. They've been brutal. They have been more challenging than my 20s, I would say. And also, I feel like the most life-changing and refining. I, I think there's something about going through really painful times that tends to sand off our rough edges. So that has certainly been true for me. <laughs> that is a beautiful way of putting it. Because you had your first child when you were in your 20s. Yes, yes. She was a little surprise gift. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. <laughs> And um, how did you find having a child um, in your 20s and then you had two more children in your 30s? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the challenging thing is that with my first, I just was not mentally or emotionally prepared for her and was still in the middle of, you know, building my career. I was still in grad school and so I think my own lack of maturity really showed up in my parenting, sadly. Um, but in my 30s, I understood in what ways a kid would actually impact my life. I think with my oldest, I just thought like my baby was going to be a cute accessory and she would just come around with me and life would go on like normal, but with a kid. And that is very much not reality. So... I was, that was a, a lot rude awakening. Yes, I was far more grounded and more prepared with my other two. And now you're you're going on 39, you're turning 39 soon. How are you feeling about your 40s? Well, the 30s are so good that it kind of makes me excited about my 40s. I don't know, it's so odd because I'm sure other people feel the same way. You look at your mother and think, "Oh, she's so old." You know, and so the word old gets attached to 30s and 40s, and I don't feel old, and I enjoy who I am more than I did when I was in my 20s. And I, so I guess it gives me a lot of hope for my 40s. That's very positive. That's really, really nice. <laughs> so I could not be more excited to speak with you today. I've been looking for an expert on this topic for a while, and that is because this is a bit of a confession. I only recently really 
sincerely apologize to my husband. And we've been together for nearly a decade. And he was mm -hmm. truly flabbergasted when it happened. He was like, huh, why are you apologizing? And he like really made me say it out loud, sure. which made me realize <laughs> I have a problem and I should work on this. So what do you do when you have a podcast? You start looking for an expert to teach you all of these things about the subject which is amazing. And starting to think about why I find it really hard to apologize. Um, I realized that nobody in my family ever apologizes. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I've ever heard an apology out of my siblings or my parents. What we usually do is like we ignore each other for a couple days and then we just pick up right where we left off, which I sure. now realize is not a really healthy way of dealing with conflict. Uh -huh. um, so I would like to change and break that cycle. So mm -hmm. here we are, I am so excited that I finally get to learn how to do it properly. And trust me, my husband's gonna be really grateful for it as well, because he is really good at apologizing. So oh, good this is him. just gonna be very good. <laughs> <laughs> you should have interviewed your husband. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. No, I mean, I appreciate your mindfulness Right. And realizing, hey, this is not a strength for me and also letting it or letting it lead you to reflect on your family's interactions. Right. Because the unfortunate thing is, is making a lovely apology and taking ownership when we make a mistake or mess up is it just builds so much trust and safety between two people. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people have a lot of shame attached to making a mistake and messing up. So it's it's unfortunate. It is because we all mess up very often, but if we can be the bigger person, this is something I now finally understand. If we can be the bigger person and apologize, it also really diffuses a lot of situations. Mm -hmm. And I guess to start, we'll go through like the process of pre-fight, fight, post-fight. And then the first thing I was thinking about is, a way to kind of avoid a fight altogether in some situations is to tell someone early on that you're frustrated about a situation. What is a good and healthy way of sharing frustration with someone? Okay, this is, this is a bit of a long road to get to answer your question. But I think it's important for us to even realize that we are getting frustrated or upset. There are so many people that are conflict avoidant, having any kind of friction Hello. makes them so anxious <laughs> that they get really good at turning down the dial of what makes them upset. And they let it roll off their back, air quotes. They let it roll off their back. And the problem is, is that what happens is that frustration starts to build pressure. And then all of a sudden the lid just flies off at something that's usually really insignificant. And now all the frustrations just come pouring out. So, and, and it can even catch the person who's angry very off guard because they've worked really hard to not pay attention to their frustration because being mad scares them. So mm -hmm. it is important for those of you who struggle with voicing your frustration to even make the connection, hey, I feel upset or that didn't land well with me. So that's first and foremost. But it doesn't have to be a big thing. Not everything has to turn into a fight. It's okay to say to somebody you care about, hey, that, that kind of made me feel 
a little uncomfortable or, hey, that hurt me. Can you clarify what you meant? Or, oh, it makes me feel uncomfortable when you bring up this subject. Or, you know, even if it's the next day, hey, babe, I just wanted to let you know that last night when you said X, um, it really hurt my feelings. And somebody that loves us and cares about us will say, oh, I, that wasn't my intention. Oh my goodness, I'm sorry. And they're happy to own it. And you can just roll right on past it. Not everything has to turn into some big blow up. That's a good way of putting it. So I guess someone that's very conflict avoidant like me also kind of needs to be in touch with their feelings yeah. and make sure that things do not build up. Yes, that's it's really, really helpful because unfortunately the problem is, is that the longer you wait, the spicier the subject becomes and the more angry you get, the harder it is to approach somebody in a calm way. Mm-hmm. So the sooner you can address little owies, you really, you know, you're, you're helping to protect the pain and the hurt and the rage from building. I think it's important, though, as well for people to be reminded that getting angry is not necessarily a bad thing, that there are going to be tension points in any relationship. And just because you have a conflict, it doesn't mean it's a sign of failing in any way. So I think that there should never be a goal of we never fight or there's never any conflict. That's just not realistic. And I think it's important for people to understand that. Because then you will feel like a failure if you do get into a tiff. Totally. I think it's, it's. I'm happy you put this out there. It is very normal that there is conflict. You're two different people coming together. Mm-hmm. And even in a family, you're like, even you've known each other your whole life, but there just will be conflict. That is just realistic. But dealing with it in a healthy uh-huh way is something else. (laughs) Sure. And it's hard too, if you grow up in a family system where it's not safe to be vulnerable, it's not safe to say, hey, you hurt me, that people are really resistant to taking ownership because healthy relationships really do require two people to show up and put in effort. So For example, if you have a kid that's being raised in a home that's really dysfunctional, the child has no choice but to learn to adapt to the family's dysfunction in order to function. And Mm -hmm. so it's a bummer because now we take all of that, those skills that we developed in an unhealthy space, and we carry them with us into our adulthood. And we whip out these strategies that we needed to use with our family of origin, but they don't work so well in in healthy spaces. So I think it's important to have compassion for the parts of us that haven't learned healthy ways to connect can have compassion on it, but that doesn't mean turning a blind eye to it. So it's, you know, it's hard to make adjustments as an adult. It, it really is. It is. And it, you just need to keep working at yourself. So I'm happy. We're literally working on me right now. Okay. <laughs> so imagine it ends at a fight ends up blowing up and you're in the middle of a fight. What is the best way to have a constructive fight where you feel like, you're actually getting a point across and um, the both of you aren't feeling really hurt or disappointed at the end of it. Well, again, when emotions get really high, we don't tend to do our best work, right? 
I mean, it's very easy to sit in a calm place and talk about how we are going to handle our fights, you know, because we're not dysregulated. And when I say dysregulated, it just means like inside of us, we're just firing off and we kind of feel feisty and fiery. And when we feel like that, it is hard to sit down and be constructive. So a lot of times we have to circle back to our conflicts. We have to know when things are getting too too spicy that we have to call a timeout, right? Because if emotions keep going up and up and up, there is no logical connection that's going to be made in that moment. So it is first and foremost important to say, how do I get myself back to a place where I feel calm and now I can go back and engage with my partner or my mother or my friend and pick the discussion back up? So if you are talking with somebody and you, for example, you can feel your heart is starting to race or you're starting to get hot or your chest is getting splotchy or your hands are clenching, right? These are all physical cues that you're starting to get probably too worked up to make anything meaningful out of your conversation. And so you may have to say, hey, I'm getting too worked up to keep talking about this. Um, Or I'm feeling so upset that I'm having a hard time, you know, staying present with you. You don't need perfect words. It's okay to say, I'm getting too mad to keep talking productively. I've got to take a beat. And so you can go and say, hey, 30 minutes, can we come back and talk in the kitchen in 30 minutes time? Or, you know, I have to take a break. Can we talk about this later this evening? I think it's really important when you say you need a break to try to put some kind of time frame as to when you're going to circle back to pick up the discussion, Mm. because it's really common for, you know, like in families like yours where there's a blow up and nobody ever circles back. And so there are some people who, when they get into an argument, they feel so panicked by not finishing it. And then there are other people who are fighting and they feel so panicked that they can't finish it. So now Mm -hmm. you have one person that's like, no, we have to keep fighting. And the other person's like, I got to get out of here as soon as possible. And so you can see how these two styles can really just clash, right? Because someone's needing space and the other person is terrified of space. So when you say, I'm getting so upset, I can't keep going. Can we pick this back up in an hour? It at least lets the person know who's very anxious about the fight. know, hey, don't worry, we're coming back. It helps to comfort that, that part of the anxiety, right? And then the person who needs a little space to calm down, they have a chance to comfort themselves and their anxiety with the space. Does that make sense? It, this makes so much sense. This is actually something I wrote down in my notes as well. I often need to walk away because when I'm really frustrated, I start crying. And it's a thing mm-hmm. that I really hate about myself that I just, when I'm frustrated, I automatically start crying. And because I want to avoid having a discussion while I'm crying, I walk away and uh-huh. I will always come back. But this is actually, it was at the start of our relationship. Like it caused more conflict because. Oscar wants to solve things right then and there. 
but me needing to walk away that actually, yeah, that was a bit of an, an issue. And it, he ended up actually putting it in his vows, even when we got married, that he promises to always give me space when I need to, oh. when I'm angry. <laughs> uh huh. So what you're saying makes so much sense. Yeah. But I guess mm -hmm. the thing that I'm taking away from this for me is I need to walk away, but then also say, I'll be back in 30 minutes. Let's continue this conversation to make him feel safe that we are going to resolve this. Yes. I'm not just running away from the issue. I'm just needing to go and calm down so I can keep going. That's the message that we're wanting to send because there's a lot of couples where one person just runs and they don't come back and nothing ever gets solved. So mm. when you guys do eventually come back together and feelings have kind of calmed down, it's so helpful to remember, hey, the problem's the problem. We're on the same team here. So let's figure out what happened, right? So you can sit with the person and say, what do we agree on? You know, it, it, can I make sure that I'm understanding you? Hey, this is the part for me that is going kind of sideways. This is the piece that I'm struggling with. Can you help me understand this part better? So when tensions have calmed down, now you can sit and strategize a little bit more. And I think it's important to note though, too, that there are just some issues, especially for couples that repeatedly are very sensitive subjects and they're hard to talk about without getting explosive. It's very, very common. And I actually just, you know, because I'm a relationship therapist, I'm just going to throw it out there. If you have something like that and you're a married couple and, and you can think like, oh yeah, whenever we talk about money, we fire off fast. Or whenever we talk about sex, things get heated very quickly. That would be something wonderful to take to a couples therapist. And you don't have to be married, but it would be helpful to have a therapist um, help you guys gain some traction around that argument and help break down what is actually happening for you because it's really not the stress or the money or the sex or the in-laws that you're fighting about. It's just stress that's coming and putting pressure on some of the little tender points in your relationship. So anyway, for whatever that's worth, that's a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> Good tip. Strong believer of, uh, of couples therapy. So I absolutely think you're right. I guess what you just said um, about there's this little part that I don't really understand or this kind of hurts me, like all of these little sentences that you said earlier, these are really good ways of diffusing the situation as well and really making it a constructive mm -hmm. conversation, right? Mm -hmm. So it's hard because a lot of times hurt feelings, most people are not vindictive and out to hurt us on purpose. There are some people in this world who are, are vindictive and they are cruel and the things they say are meant to hurt. That being said, if we are having a point of tension with somebody that we care about and in general we think, I'm pretty sure they love me, it's so important to be able to take feedback from them. So if somebody comes to you and says, hey, you hurt my feelings or this made me feel uncomfortable when you did X, whatever it is that you can do your best to hear them out. And a lot of times we can get defensive because most of us really don't want to hurt the people that we care about. I mean, I sure don't. So when somebody comes and says, you hurt me, we initially want to push it away because the thought of hurting someone we care about feels awful. However, 
it is such a gift when somebody comes and says, hey, you hurt my feelings because they're giving you the chance to make it right and to, to, um, to, to salvage the relationship. So I would love for people to think about that subject as being a gift. It's a chance for you two to get to know each other better. And it can be hard to keep our defenses down. And, um, you know, when it comes to apologizing, it's okay if you don't want to give an apology right away. Also, because if you're caught off guard and somebody says, hey, this hurts me, you're allowed to listen and think about it and give a heartfelt apology. So it's okay for you to say, hey, thank you for sharing this with me. I'm hearing you say blank hurt your feelings and that this is why. Did I catch that? You know, did I get it right? Did I miss anything? It's okay to say things like, hey, I'm feeling really overwhelmed by all of this. You know, I think I need to think on it for a little bit. Can we talk again about it tomorrow morning? Or can we get coffee and keep talking about it? Or, you know, I I, I want to make sure I understand your main concern. I want to know what I'm apologizing for. I want to make sure I get it. I need to think this over. And so you're not rejecting what the person is saying, but it's giving you a little bit of space to think, okay, what, what did I do? What part do I want to own? And you can circle back and give a meaningful apology, you know, the next day or whatnot. So, you know, if that feels helpful too. Again, in this situation, it is good to set a date for when you'll get back to this person. Sure. I think that sometimes context matters, right? Because you may find that there are some people where it is just a very high conflict relationship, that there is a lot of hurt that's passed around. And and you may need to contemplate whether that's the healthiest relationship for you, right? Um, Sometimes we exchange apologies and we extend forgiveness. And also we may not be reconciling. Right. So there are some people for whom there may be very explicitly toxic or harmful relationships. Again, I think highly of most people in the world, but there are some people that are just not not great fits for us. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's worth mentioning, too, that that reconciliation is not always mandatory. And I think that we can have hard conversations and there's still ugh, painfully sometimes need to be lines that are drawn. This is going to be one of my questions. If an apology is heartfelt and they're using the right wording, do you always need to accept it? But I guess your answer is no. Sure. Again, context matters, right? Because let's say somebody is apologizing to you and this is a particular wound. And let's say this is the seventh time they're apologizing. Um, You know, at what point... Our words just words. So in our safest relationships, words and actions should line up. So talk is really cheap. So if this is the first time that you're bumping into this issue with a person and they're giving you a heartfelt apology and you think, wow, this feels really nice. Yeah, you'll probably be able to move on just fine. And hopefully in safe relationships, it won't really happen again. 
But if you are constantly circling around the same issue with somebody and they're always apologizing and, oh, I just feel so bad. And they're maybe even just putting on a very heartfelt display, but you continually bump into the same problem. That's really concerning. Easiest example to reach for is if you have a partner who keeps cheating on you. I mean, I have seen some of the most beautiful displays of regret and remorse in my office. And I just would do anything to save this relationship. And, you know, but this is, you know, the sixth time they've stepped out on their partner. This is. (laughs) So again, context matters. Is this the seventh time you're being apologized to for this issue? Or is this the first or second? I think there's a lot more grace that should be built into you know, the first go around. I agree. People deserve a second chance, but maybe not a third or a fourth or a seventh. <laughs> sure. And then too, yeah. it does depend on the grievance, right? Because if we're talking about finding out that your partner or a loved one has been hiding, you know, a monstrous amount of debt from you, or, you know, there's illegal activity or, you know, you were just assaulted. There are certain grievances to whom the, you know, oh, just take the apology and see what happens again. You may want to take that with a point of caution. Can you tell us how to offer a good apology? What does a good apology look like? Well, sometimes um, it is helpful to give context, but it's important to take ownership. If you are realizing, hey, I really do want to own what I did, it is important to say something like, hey, you're right. I was really out of line when I said, shut up. That's not how I want to talk to my partner. You didn't deserve that. I'm sorry. So you are, you know, making a brief statement of ownership. You are acknowledging the harm that you caused. And then you are apologizing. It's even a bonus if you want to tell the person what you're going to do next time. You know, next time I start to get that heated, I'm going to try to pull the conversation because I don't want to get pushed to the point that I talk to you like that. So again, any good apology will have some kind of ownership or acknowledgement of the pain that was caused. Hey, I see I really hurt you. You know, I see that. I'm sorry. I don't want to make you feel that way. Next time I'm going to try to do X, Y, or Z. We're not out to say, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. Or um, my favorite, oh, for a while, my husband would say, I'm sorry if I hurt you. And we had to be very clear, like, babe, I'm not trying to nitpick you, but I literally just told you that you hurt me. So there's no if I hurt you. So try again. (laughs) So poor guy being married to a therapist. You know, we're not out, (laughs) not trying to nitpick people's words. I don't want people to get so caught up in saying it just the right way that then it's they just don't say anything. Y'all do your best and try to have a little bit of grace on the people that, you know, when you're making some kind of repair, but there's no, if I made you feel this way, or, you know, I'm sorry that you're so sensitive or, you know, Hey, just, you know what, you know, let's just agree to move past it. That's not, yeah, let's agree to disagree, (laughs) you know? So sometimes we do have to agree to disagree, but we can still acknowledge you know, hey, I I was out of line the way I talked to you. I it seems like we're going to have to disagree on this subject and I'd like to move forward, but the the way we let that get out of hand's not okay. 
there is a point of let's agree to disagree, but but we can still be sensitive about how we handled a conversation. Uh-huh. Even even <laughs> if we still feel passionately about our message. And maybe we aren't going to see things ultimately the same way on the other side of the conversation, but our goal should still be how do I show respect to this person even in a heated moment? How do we make it safe to to bicker without knowing that we're not out to hurt each other? And if we're married or in a committed relationship, I'm not just going to pull away from you because we're having a disagreement. We have to create safety to disagree and safety to make repairs. You should own your mistake and acknowledge that someone got hurt from whatever you did and then apologize for it. And then if you really want to do it perfectly or even better, acknowledge or um, say what you'll do better next time. These are basically the four steps. If you want to accept an apology, is there a way to do it best? I think there's no way to do it best, but I think most people feel very compelled to say it's okay, right? Like, so someone's, I'm sorry that I said, blah, blah, blah. It's okay. And, and I would encourage people to stop saying it's okay. If anything, just say, thank you. Thank you. That apology means a lot to me. Or thank you. I really appreciate the time you took to talk through this with me. Or thank you for the apology. It really means a lot. I was hurt. You know, and speaking that way allows for more vulnerability as well, right? Because it's okay as a way of just kind of like, okay, let's move past it. Let's just slough past it. Or even can again send the message that what they did was fine. And mm-hmm. and it and it isn't. There are some circumstances where maybe someone's apologizing and you think, I really don't need an apology and it's okay to be upfront. You know what? I don't need an apology on this. Thank you for being mindful of me, but this doesn't need an apology. I wasn't hurt, (laughs) you know, so it's okay to be very explicit. But if somebody hurt you or they made you feel, you know, some type of way or kind of salty, that's all right. And it's okay to say, thank you so much for apologizing. It means a lot to me. Um, that is if, such a good answer instead of saying it's okay. And then for the the people who are realizing, hey, this relationship may not be safe or I don't trust the apology or something still feels off or I'm still feeling very hurt, that's okay to say as well. You can say, hey, thank you for the apology. I appreciate it. Um, you've given me a lot to think about. Um, I, I still need some space. Then I'll let you know when I'm ready to talk again, right? If the grievance was really big or, you know, if there's been such a big break of trust or it's repeatedly happening, you can say, I appreciate the apology. However, this isn't the first time we've talked about this. And so I I feel hesitant to accept the apology because I don't feel safe. That's all right to say as well. Again, sometimes apologies, they don't, and forgiveness, it doesn't always require reconciliation. And I say that hesitantly because I am someone who is not a big cut people out of your life therapist. You know, I I just, in general, it takes a lot of work to smooth out our relationships. And if there are pieces we can salvage, we want to do that. But again, there are some points when safety really does require somebody is axed. I have so many notes written down here. 
My final question at the end of every episode is, if you could give the listeners one takeaway from this episode, what would it be? Oh gosh, just one. Um, I guess it would be the reminder to have grace in these moments. You know, if especially if we're talking about your partner, to try to assume positive intent. If a loved one hurts your feelings and you know that they love you, then how do we approach the conversation from the point that we care about each other? And and that is not to say, oh, they love me and they probably wouldn't want to hurt me, so I'm not going to bring it up. I'm not telling you to use it like that. I'm saying use the love and grace as a foundation for the hard conversation. So if you can, again, approach it as being on the same team, there's a little more safety to approach hard conversations. Um, And then I would also say, again, if you are feeling the prickle of guilt, if somebody comes to you and says, hey, you hurt my feelings and the guilt flares up, a lot of times when we feel guilt, we want to push away from it. And I would just also love to remind people that guilt is a very appropriate feeling. It's so helpful because guilt goes off when we act outside of our value system. And it's just a little alarm bell that comes on and and says, hey, you made a choice that's outside of your values. Go make the correction. And so if we listen to guilt when it's appropriate and we let it lead us to make a correction, we get to walk away feeling so much more free. So, you know, again, if somebody is coming to you and says, you hurt me, be open to at least listening to them. I think you're using the word free is really interesting because I also think when you're when you apologize to someone because you hurt someone you'll also feel more free at the end of it i think free is a really yes. good word yes we don't want guilt to then turn into shame because shame makes us go and hide and pull away and when we are flooded with shame it it really hurts our relationships and it gets in the way of us fixing things but if we can just listen to the little guilt bell that comes off and we go make the correction, again, we get to walk away without carrying shame and we can ideally be closer to the person we love on the other side of it. Can you tell the listeners where they can find you, please, on socials? Sure, yeah. You can find me on Instagram at emily.sanders.therapy. You can get to my threads through Instagram as well. Um, I'm on Facebook too, but who really uses that? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry for those of you that do. Um, But yeah, that's how you can find me. And, And again, through Instagram, you can connect to my website and all kinds of stuff like that. Do you still take on clients? Um, I, I mean, I do, but my practice is very full. <laughs> so I, I'm not okay. currently taking new clients, but if anybody is interested in working with me, you can again, connect to me through, you know, the good old internet. Um, but I do think it's important to say if, especially if you have international listeners that the way our licensing is regulated, that, you know, I'm limited to working with us clients who live in the state of California. So Okay. Kind of I'm a bummer, but that's, that yeah, that's how we try to keep things ethical. And I didn't actually know that. So that's a really good point. Um, I would certainly um, recommend everyone following you on Instagram. This is how I found you as well. You write on whatever All the people things. can think about. 
you truly go into all of the things. So people, please go follow Emily, Emily Therapy on Instagram. Guys, this was the end of the holiday series 2023. Thanks so much for being here. If you haven't listened to the other episodes about narcissistic family members or alcohol, go back, have a listen. They're really exciting conversations. I'm still sober. I'm in like week three now. Um, a little bit nervous for Christmas and New Year's, but I'm going to be positive. This is also the last interview of this year. On Thursday, you'll hear the five questions answered by Emily. And otherwise, I will see you again on the 2nd of January. And I wish you all an amazing holiday. Oh, if you want to give me a little gift, end of year gift, please leave a five-star review on Spotify and Apple and follow us on TikTok and Instagram at 30 and a bit pot. Bye, see you next year. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.